Recording on a dark and stormy night, welcome to Hand of Pod. It's not really dark and stormy just yet. It's certainly dark, actually. But the storm is holding off for now. It was supposed to arrive in the afternoon. It has not done yet. I'm Sam Kelly. Welcome to Hand of Pod. I'm joined this week by Andres Bruckner. Hello, Sam. I, I think I, I told you, uh, I don't know how many times, but I think two at least, that there is a record that uh, uh, coming here is... Most of, the, most of the days was or rainy or windy or cloudy. Well, uh, it's cloudy now and it's expected the rain. Uh, I think uh, in the middle of the of the podcast will be raining, but but it's something particular from. It's been happening a lot this year. Yes. Yeah, it's it's quite bizarre um, given that it doesn't rain every day here <laughs> by any means. Uh, yes. the, yeah, the coincidence has been remarkable. Let's take you through the results from the weekend just gone, which I've just realised I haven't got up on my computer yet. So let me do that first. Uh, they were as follows. Oh, come on, please load. Well, I help you. Patronato Nil Bocachu. River yes. Chu, Atletico Tucuman Chu. <laughs> yes, which is certainly one of the games that we're going to be talking about in some yes. depth, not just because we're both River sympathisers, but because it was one of the more entertaining ones of the weekend. I've got the list up now. Here we go. So on Friday night, Lanús beat Union 2-1 at home. Uh, ah, that was the first shot of lightning, I think, just over there. San Lorenzo then beat Defensive Justicia 3-1 in Bajo Flores. Um, on Saturday, it was in the game's ended. Colón 2, Tempele 0. Rosario Central 1, Argentinos Juniors 3. Which is fascinating, yes. um, because Argentinos had definitely picked up in form but hadn't managed to win before that game. Estudiantes 1, Banfield 1, Vélez Sarsfield 1, Newell's Old Boys 0, um, and Racing 1, Tigre 0. On Sunday, Chacarita Juniors lost 2-1 at home to Independiente. Godoy Cruz got a 3-0 win over Gimnasia in Mendoza. Belgrano and Tacheres drew 0-0 in the Clásico Cordobés. And the last two games, Andres has already told you the scores. River 2, Atletico Tucumán 2, and Patronato 0, Boca 2. Olimpo on Monday night lost 2-0 at home to Huracan and Arsenal de Sarandí. Inevitably, after that incredible and, and entirely inexplicable win over Banfield the previous week, have returned to losing ways, losing 1-0 at home to San Martín de San Juan in the last game of the, open quotes, weekend, close quotes, because it was on Monday night, of course. Um, apart from the River game, Andres, did you catch any of the, the others in much detail? Not in much detail. I perhaps uh, could watch parts of them or uh, goals or well some perhaps quotes of, uh, for example, the Paulo Montero, the coach of Rosario Central, who 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 lost. Well, they lost three one as you as you have just said against Argentinos Junior, the recently promoted team, mm. um, 
and telling people or well journalists in the conference, press conference that uh, the match for Copa Argentina that will be against Cody Cruz. Yes, I think so. Uh, Copa Argentina website up. In fact, we're going to be talking about that. Well, uh, it will be crucial for them. Uh, well, uh, saying that if if they don't win that match, perhaps he will leave the club because uh, uh, since he's at the bench. Uh, the performances weren't haven't been very very good and, and people is missing Caudet some of the supporters of Rosario Central uh, leaving the, the stadium the Gigante de Rosito saying that that uh, mm. uh, with Chacho Caudet this won't be happening and things like that yeah just to confirm by the way you're quite right you uh, remembered correctly Central do play Godoy Cruz Olimpo have Deportivo Moron who I think I mentioned at the very end of last week's episode had dumped somebody out and Atletico Tucumán will play Vélez Sarsfield. That's definitely lightning. Um, River play Atlanta later tonight at ten past nine. So we're going to be trying to zip through this recording so that Andres can get home in time for it and possibly get home and have a shower and dry mm. off because it looks like you're going to be walking home in the rain. Um, so we will cover the quarterfinals of the Copa Argentina later, partly as well because they're all going to be played quite close together by Copa Argentina standards. Oh. Normally the quarterfinals would, you know, like any other round, would be spread over the course of about a month with nobody knowing exactly when they're going to be played. Um, but of course, there's no Superliga this coming weekend because of the um, local, uh, the legislative elections that are coming up. As we've mentioned many times before, you can't have fun on election weekends in Argentina; it's illegal. So there is no premier, uh, no top flight. I think the Bay Nacional is playing, though, isn't it? I is think right? so. Yes, I will check about. Yes, um, it might be something to do with Capital further out in the province or something like this. I don't know. Uh, but anyway. Um, and that means that uh, River play tonight and then two of those quarterfinals are going to be played next Monday. Godoy Cruz against Central and Olimpo against Deportivo Moron will both be next Monday evening. And the remaining one, Atletico Tucumán against Banfield uh, Vélez, will be played on Tuesday. So by the next time we record, we will know the full semi-final lineup of the Copa Argentina. Uh, but as I say, we'll go into that properly later with a bit of a little preview. Um, which game are you talking well, about? I've just forgotten now. Well, there is oh, no Central, of course, yes. There is no B Nacional or uh, and uh, um, Primera B Metropolitana since the following rounds, which are te- round 10 from Metropolitana, and I will check now um, round no 6 from B Nacional aren't still the, the schedule, uh, the rounds, the, the, the day that they, they will be played. So, uh, I think this weekend there won't be any major matches or well. Oh, you're quite right. Yeah. Uh, perhaps Primera C or Primera D, but not the the National B and Primera B Metropolitana. In fact, it looks like the same situation in the C as well. I've just checked on on my app. Um, well, not my app. I didn't yeah. design it myself, but I downloaded it onto my phone. Um, so Central against Argentinos. Argentinos had had that decent run in the previous couple of games, where we mentioned that they seemed to be enjoying much more playing against uh, River, where they got a one-one draw, and against Racing, where having I just said a few minutes ago that they hadn't managed to win. Of course, they did. They beat Racing two 0 the previous the previous weekend, two weeks ago, because we've had the international break in between. But you know what I mean. I'm going to try to talk over this idiot on the motorbike downstairs. I apologise for him. Um, so now it's two games, two wins in a row, and I think three without defeat for Argentinos. What was their previous one prior to the River game? Their previous result was, yes, a 2-1 defeat at home to Belgrano. So um, just as their fixture list has got more difficult, they've started picking up points, which is interesting. 
yes, yes. Maybe they needed to get used to being back in the Primera. Maybe they, as I suggested already, needed some teams, some opponents who were going to give them some space to play into. But for whatever reason, um, they have, have picked it up in pretty big fashion. And that's something that I guess wasn't so surprising, for which reason the, the relegation table yes. is, is really opening up a bit now. And uh, as I said, that uh, Pablo Montero was like. Uh he, he himself telling people, or uh, as I said in the press conference, that uh, he will he will see whether they can pass through the semifinals of the Copa Argentina. Otherwise, he will quit. Um, in the other side of the of the uh, the Argentinos uh, coaches, uh, Alfredo Berti, who is mm. identified with Newells because he has he's uh, well known for playing a lot of years there. Uh, but he said after the match that he isn't uh, a supporter of news, so uh, it's okay with them, with the supporters and the insults from the Rosario Central supporters. But uh, that is no problem because he's not uh, anyway a, a supporter of of, of news. Uh, anyway, that well, he played a lot and he's identified with news, and of course the the, the, the central uh, inches or members will 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 insult him anyway. Yes, indeed. Um, Away from Rosario, where Argentinos, from the very little that I caught, um, thoroughly deserved their victory. Uh, we had some big five games. We will begin, I guess as good a place as any to begin, is with the champions, Boca Juniors, who are still top of the table. Um, they've still got a 100% record. They've won six out of six now. They dispatched Patronato 2-0 with... I mean, it, it wasn't quite as stylish as the football that Boca have been playing so far this season. It, it was They had to dig in much more, obviously, without Fernando Gago, who injured himself during the Argentina match, uh, during the international break. He was replaced by this young Uruguayan, Nathan Nandes, who has a fascinating first name. I think it's probably meant to be Nathan, but yes. who knows? We're in South America. Um, and with Pablo Perez stepping up as captain and marshalling the midfield... Dario Benedetto was very good. The other, um, his Ford partners were not. Um, Edwin Cardona, of course, suspended from having been sent off the previous uh, in the previous round. Um, and Wilmar Barrios picked up an injury in his hand, which means that he's also now had to be operated on. So it's not obviously a, a crucial ligament injury like Gargos got. So one would assume that he's not going to be out for a similar length of time. Um, but it's still not great news for Boca. But he he had, or I think he has already been, or he will be under surgery. Yeah, no, he, he was today. They operated on him today, I think. Yes, and it will be a, a short t- a period of time recovery because he is uh, willing to be with his River the five of November. November mm. he won't be able to play against Belgrano the following weekend. But well, uh, yes, it's a minor perhaps injury. Uh, even when he had to be under sur- surgery, as I said. But yes, it's a, a midfield with a lot of uh, injuries in this case. And uh, but Cardona will be back, I think, because he he paid his ban. Yes, yeah, indeed. Uh, oh, I think he might have been given two games. Somebody was given two games. No, I don't, I don't think know, for, no, Cardona is the, the, else, the one because. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're right. He will be back next time. Um, but the interesting thing was that Boca really, as I say, didn't sort of dominate the game to the same extent that they have been doing. Patronato had some chances to take the lead before Boca opened the scoring fairly early in the second half through Christian Pavon. Um, Boca uh, scored from their only two shots on target, which is well, yes, that's unusual. Shows that they were tremendously 
accurate and yeah. uh, they won because of their individual skills. Yeah. Oh, sorry, to score from two or four shots on target. Yeah. The way that these, well, anyways, these um, uh, yeah. shot statistics get displayed on this website is slightly confusing. They have it as two goals and yes. two shots on target, and apparently those are different things because the total with 10 yes. um, off target is 14 shots in total, so I was reading it wrong. Um, Patronato, on the other hand, um, managed only one shot off target and six on for and a pretty impressive performance they, all round. They had a good start with, uh, I think it was Guzman, the one who tried to chip the ball just with the beginning of the game, and uh, it was a very good counter-attack by, yeah. from, from Patronato. And incredibly, he, he spilled it, he wasted it, uh, trying to chip the ball and, and well not finishing it properly of course because uh, uh, it didn't end in, in a goal but after that uh, they were like just trying to to get dunk balls to Usman the one the, the, well the striker the the, the, the mm. number nine of the or the reference from the attack and then they uh, didn't attack anymore or while well, they were the, the, the with some disorder and with just the difference between Patronato and Boca, I think that was that, that Boca showed us a, a solid team, correct team, ordered order team, and, and uh, with two uh, well-managed uh, situations, they could grab the win. Yeah, and um, it shows as well that they do still have that little bit of DNA left over from last season. They, they've been winning fairly comfortably up until this point, but when they do need to dig deep and, and pull something out of their arse, as it were, they still can. Um, one team who are unable to pull things out of their arse, even when they have pretty good performances and certainly dominate parts of the game, is Riva Plate, who went 2-0 up in very short order against Atletico Tucumán, um, and were then pegged back 2-2 when there really was a point in the second half where it looked like River should have started to just run away with the game. The first half, absolutely, I thought both teams were quite poor. Um, the second half, River came out flying. They scored twice in what felt like about three minutes. Yeah, twice in three minutes to go 2-0 up um, by the 52nd minute. We're going to try to talk over the thunder unless it gets really loud, because otherwise I'm going to be editing this a lot tonight. Um, so they were having been nil-nil and playing quite poorly. Um, at the break, River were 2-0 up seven minutes after the break and then they let Atletico Tucumán back into it they, they should have sort of put their foot on the throat as it were and they didn't they, they lifted their foot off Atletico Tucumán's throats Luis Rodriguez and Ismael Blanco got goals around ten minutes apart and in the end I thought the, the draw was a fairly a pretty fair result, River dominating possession as they do um, but they could have Atletico played very well on, on the counter and yeah I mean it's, especially the last 15 minutes um, taking my river hat off for a minute and just sort of it, it, trying to watch the neutral I, I was really entertained because it could have gone either way there was an incredible save by Batasha uh, who came back to the to the goal uh, because well Lux was uh, the goalkeeper in, in all, all of the matches and in this case it was good for, for him to have some, have some rhythm because uh, now River has the tonight match against Atlanta for Copa Argentina and in six days uh, the crucial match for Copa Libertadores against Lanús. Mm. So it was good for him to have some rhythm and he did it well because it was uh, if you watched that uh, shot from uh, the front of the goal it was it it, it uh, sounded even more difficult to to save. Yeah. And well, uh, Lucchetti, the, the Atletico Tucumán goalkeeper, said, well, congratulations to him because I, sh- I watched it clearly and, and, and it was very, very difficult. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, I guess if there's a bright point for River, well, Milton Casco scored his second goal ever for River. Um, I think his first one, if I remember rightly, his first one came in about his fourth or fifth match or something. I know it was a, it was in it was some years ago because I remember the statistic got tweeted or flashed up on screen uh, during the match, um, and I'm sure that I remember um, uh, fans of Newell's saying this guy has like scored one goal in in 300 games for us or something, and he joins River and scores in like his third match. Um, so I'm sure it was yes. really really early on in his stay at River. But unfortunately, I, I remember I don't know why I remember more his mistakes than his goals. Because he made more mistakes, yes. again, yes. I think is the reason. Um, and Rafael Santos Borre, this is probably more of a boost for River, um, in attack at least, because, you know, Casco isn't going to score very many, but Santos Borre is supposed to be a striker, um, and he scored the second, it was a tap-in, admittedly, but after a, a pretty nice team move, and his movement was decent. Um, but <sighs> River still failing to capitalise when, when they should be... Um, Pushing on in that situation. Clearly, the well, I it's not good, no good to talk about Boca and River, perhaps uh, comparing them. But uh, well, in two weeks there is, uh, or almost three weeks there is a, a, a super classico, another super classico, mm. and perhaps it's, it's good to make it like a mini balance of how the teams are working. Yeah. And as Boca looks like a team, River looks like two teams in in one because in in attack they are showing great capacity to create chances to create situations. And to score in this case two, by a twice uh, with good movements, but in defense they are showing fragile. Yeah, they are. Um, the interesting thing that I thought as well was that there is, I mean, obviously tonight we have the Copa Argentina, but without Copa Libertadores action, um, River continued to field what in inverted commas I'm going to call their League 11, their, their sort of second 11. Um, so presumably, therefore, the, the strongest 11 are going to be out tonight. The, the Copa Libertadores 11 as it were um, but the, the really bizarre thing that noise that you can hear in the background if you're picking it up by the way now is very much rain uh, the storm has begun uh, <laughs> going to have to lower the blinds in a minute I think the really bizarre thing um, though is that I, I saw sort of people River fans and also more sort of neutral journalists tweeting after the game like what is it with River? Why can they concentrate in the cups and, and not concentrate in the league? And I wanted to go well they're, they're two completely different teams <laughs> But you're not talking yeah. about the same group of players. Well, and it's something that with, uh, with Gallardo is something that has been happening from yeah. since a lot of time. Now it's not something new that uh, perhaps he says something in the in the in the talks be, before the matches uh, that which when are there are definite matches or matches that define uh, the uh, the ticket to another uh, round of a tournament that perhaps the the players get more. Uh, I don't know if concentrated or perhaps uh, relaxed uh, in matches that aren't so so crucial. For example, for uh, Superliga, which is which uh, in which there are still twenty uh, something matches mm. to go. Yeah, uh, and it's uh, different. The, the instance or the stage is different. So uh, it's something that uh, well, uh, luckily for for the Copa Libertadores or, or, or tournaments that. Uh, if you don't win, you get eliminated. Uh, in that matches, the the, the players look much much more focused, uh, and it's something that well, it's happening since a lot of time. And um, yes, as you say, it's uh, like clearly two teams, and Boca has perhaps more uh, a more 
whole like a whole team that works together and they have only one tournament in this case because they became out of the Copa Argentina uh, losing against Rosario Central well done for getting that uh, little piece of trolling in uh, we shall move on to the rest of the big five Chacarita 1 Independiente 2 did you catch any of this game? no because it was at 11am yeah, same here uh, that's not to say we went out of bed at 11am um, but I was um, enjoying the weekend rather than what I catch from a, a, a journalist that he's also a supporter of Independiente is that Higliotti uh, entered into the team with a like he, uh, he like his weight was a 120 kilos who did sorry Higliotti because he was injured ah. I think and now he came back uh, I am uh, yeah he's been out for some time yes. yeah um, I'm just looking at the statistics Ezequiel Barco scored uh, the young hotshot playmaker and Bustos another hotshot and yeah so, so somewhat more surprisingly Fabricio Bustos nine minutes in opened the score well actually he didn't open the scoring um, Juan Imbert scored in about, after about 30 seconds I heard about that goal but I still haven't seen it uh, to put Chacarita one up but then Fabricio Bustos equalised for Independiente after nine minutes uh, he is the right back who was on the verge of a call up I think it was wasn't he for um, Argentina Yes. Before he picked up a minor injury or something and had to be left out of San Paolo's yes. um, list, um, so interesting to see him get on the score sheet. Um, and and I, I of course I in this case I watched the goal because after the match uh, I I I got the 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 the, the resume I mean the summary summary mm-hmm. of the of the match and uh, it was a, a, he he finished the the play as if he were a, as if he was a striker. Yeah. Very, very good. I'll look it up later. As I said, I've still not seen any of the goals from that game. Um, Racing got a 1-0 win over Tigre on Saturday night. I watched the first half of this one and then went out. So I'm not doing particularly well this weekend. I, I, I would say that I've done it very unprofessionally this weekend, but then it's not like we get paid money for this podcast, so it's not really professional at all anyway. Um, the first half, which I did catch, was largely more of the same that uh, English Dan has frequently complained about this season from Racing. Lots of possession, not really somehow doing enough to create chances, never mind missing those chances um, from Racing. Nowhere near as, as sort of clinical as they were previously under Diego Coca in his, his title-winning spell in, at the club. Um, but in the second, they, they did enough. Andres Ibarguen came off the bench to grab the goal. Um, and, well, it's against Tigre, though. And Tigre, it has to be said, really aren't very good. I, I've been very unimpressed with them so far this season. Um, I, I remember the reason that I, I say this is it's not much of a surprise really but it feels a bit weird to me because when I started watching Argentine football Tigre was sort of on the ascendancy they just won the promotion to the Primera they had a couple of, of title campaigns they, they in fact took Boca and Estudiantes to that three-way playoff um, one season for the title and so and, and they always sort of you know they, they played attractive football and so it, it seems a bit weird to me to, to think well actually Tigre are a bit crap now Yes, but so, some people made some jokes when Caruso Lombardi uh, well, uh, started working as, as the coach of Tigre because he Tigre wasn't uh, in the situation of being close to a promotion to the relegation. Sorry. Yeah. So so uh, he's is more specialist of, of of getting teams out of that zone, mm. and in, in this case Tigre wasn't. So 
they they like previewed something like this. And like, now, yeah, and now they might be slipping down towards it. Because I'm just looking at the table. Tigre have got three points from their opening six games, and in the relegation table, um, they are 21st. Don't forget that 28th to 25th are the clubs that go down. So. Tigre are very much in trouble, particularly if Chacarita, who've only just come up and are dividing their points by fewer games, um, if Chacarita start to, to string together some results, then Tigre are going to be one of the teams yes. who, are, who are down there in that battle. I think we mentioned them in a sort of longer list of names um, towards the start of the season as well. And there's well, no reason at all with their current form that they couldn't get dragged down into it. At least Argentinos is doing it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Argentinos are a fine example of how this happens. Mm. They were level bottom with Chacarita after three games and now after six games Argentinos are seventh in that relegation table because they're only dividing their games but the, the points won by six matches and so ten points won in the last few games um, and they're way up there now they're, they're comfortably clear of course they'll, they'll plumb it back down if they start to lose again but um, that's how it works uh, the only remember, remaining member of the big five that we've not yet talked about is San Lorenzo against Defensa Justicia I didn't catch any of this game either because I was in the pub because it was Friday night so where else would I be um, it's frankly slightly silly that they put the big five on on a Friday night I think I'm insulted by it what I can say is, help us at all. is that uh, it's far far uh, away from the Defensa Justicia uh, of Holland or Becachese hmm. uh, and even Vivas who uh, resigned some rounds ago yeah um Defensa have not had the best start to the season. I've just mentioned that Tigre are 21st in the relegation table, while Defensa Justicia are 21st in the actual league table. Uh, I, I think they'll be absolutely fine from relegation this season because of their fairly strong campaigns in the last couple um, of championships before this one. Um, but yeah, they've really fallen off a cliff under Juan. How do you pronounce that surname? Mercier? No. No, no, it's. it's uh, Bojboda? Bojboda, or yes. Bojboda, okay. It's, it's V O J V O D A, if any listeners are wondering. Um, and I was hoping that Andres would, would come around to saying it before I did, because I've never actually heard it spoken, I've only seen it written down. Um, but yeah, they're, they're not doing well at all. Um, San Lorenzo uh, scoring to go 2 0 up very early in the second half through Nicolas Blandi. Ezequiel Ceruti had opened the scoring for them in the first half, and he added a second for himself and a third place club. Um, with 25 minutes to go. Defensa's goal, in fact, came right at the very end through Nicolas Fernandes um, in the 89th minute. Um, there's, as I say, there's, there's not a lot more we can say about this one because both of us have got lives and we were out socialising. Like, yes. oh, in your case, Andres, I'm guessing. But, uh. yeah, but more, I, I could only watch that, uh, for example, Bellucci had, uh, come back, came back to his good level when yeah. he... he uh, was signed for uh, or hired by San Lorenzo. I, I think he's had a good season generally yes. so far. Whenever I've seen them, yes, he's, he has looked. Th- there have been some games yes. where he's really been the only decent yes. player. But sorry, yes, the, the, the feeling I have is that uh, during uh, part of the season of the last season, he, he was perhaps absent. And yes, perhaps because you, like you said, uh, there weren't any teammates helping him. And uh, that, of course, helped him not to be the the, the, the great player or the the, the the player that showed he is the other day against Defensa Justicia with just some some assists that were uh, uh, really really brilliant. So yes, uh, um, that that's what I mostly watched from from that game. Yeah. Um, 
Elsewhere, Vélez Sarsfield beat Newell's Old Boys in a match which, and I did catch this one, it was a fairly dull one. Um, as I think, sort of, you could probably guess from, from sort of looking at the um, uh, the situation that both clubs find themselves in at the moment. They're, they're both sort of just treading water a little bit and, and struggling to live up to previous glories, as it were. Um I'm just looking at the statistics and in fact it would appear that there were quite a few more attempts on goal than I thought there were but there still weren't very many um, it was it was not the most exciting match that I saw all weekend and I watched Manchester United against Liverpool um, so that's the sort of level that we're talking about um, but Matthias Varangas got the only goal of the game he's enjoying a fairly good season yes. and there's not much else to say about it really no, the goal was brilliant. Was, uh, it was a play very nice just, just perhaps the only the only great play from the match. And News still can't uh, recover from the leaving of his well uh, uh, best players like Skoko, well, now at River, uh, Maxi Rodriguez, and well yeah. for, for, for Mika. Uh, and well, now it's they are paying that. Indeed, yeah, um, yeah. Vargas goal. You're quite right. I'd, I'd forgotten that it was a one of the better goals of the weekend. In fact, as the expression here is a, a goal from another match. Goal de otro partido. Estudiantes drew 1-1 with Banfield in a game that was somewhat better standard-wise, if not particularly um, uh, excitement-wise, if, if that makes any sense. Um, another goal from well from Pablo Molce. In fact, I was about to say from Dario Svitanic, but Molce scores when Svitanic doesn't this season. Um, and Banfield remain very good to which um, on, on which note I think it's fair to say that a 1-1 draw with Banfield is probably a good, a good result for Estudiantes if it weren't for the fact that Banfield were coming off that 2-1 defeat at home to Arsenal de Sarandi um, even though Estudiantes were listed as the home team in that game they were again playing in Quilmes because something else is happening in the municipal stadium in La Plata I don't know why they aren't using the, the Estadio Unico but they, they, they hadn't finished they are the stadium, well, mm. uh, which Veron uh, is uh, perhaps making the, the 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 upgrade. Well, he said that he will play the Copa Libertadores if the, all the tickets were sold, and that yeah. that money was used to to well uh, upgrade the, the stadium. And I think they are finishing it, still not ready. Well, I don't know why why they are they aren't using the Estadio Unico. No, so well, as I say, I'm, I'm guessing that there's some other non-footbally event. Well, the, yes, the, the when Argentina was playing against uh, against Ecuador, there was the U2 uh, concert in La Plata in the yes, Estadio Unico, yeah. uh, and they they even made a toast for Messi because yeah. it was just after the match was played, the concert took place. Yeah, they it, actually delayed the uh, concert so that people could watch the match first. Yes. Perhaps that's the reason why, because they, perhaps the pitch wasn't in. in the best conditions. Yeah, that would make sense. That would make a lot of sense. Um, in Mendoza on Sunday, Godoy Cruz got a 3-0 win over Gimnasia La Plata. Um, talking of one La Plata side, we may as well move to the other. Uh, it was a pretty decent performance from Godoy Cruz. They needed an own goal from Lucas Licht to get underway five minutes in. And they took a while to then sort of capitalise on that because Facundo Cobos scored five minutes before half-time. Um, Marcelo Correa scored the other goal meaning it was a very rare example of a Godoy Cruz victory in which Santiago Garcia did not score yes. that, that feels like it must be the first time in about a year and a half that that's happened um, I don't know whether that's true or not 
Uh, Himnasia had a player that I hadn't noticed before, um, but I think that might be my favourite name in the championship. He's called Nicolas Dibble. How? How is it? Dibble. D-I-double-B-L-E. Um, which doesn't sound at all Argentine and does sound quite funny. I apologise if you're listening I, I and think your, your own name is Dibble, but... I think it's funnier the, the coach's surname of Ignacia. So-so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so, yes, well done, Godoy Cruz. They have had a little bit of an iffy start, if I remember yes. rightly, or I feel like they have anyway. Let's see, where are they? They are down... Oh, they're 13th, yes. They've got three wins, one draw and two defeats now. Uh, eight goals scored, seven against after six games. Um, but that one was um, was a fairly comfortable win for them, almost as if they were a more comfortable team than they are. And who else have we got to mention if we're talking about the top teams? We've talked about Boca, we've talked about River, we've talked about San Lorenzo, those are the top three. Um, we also then should talk about Colón and Lanús, who are fourth and fifth. Colón got a 2-0 win over Temperley, and Colón, I think we have mentioned already this season, haven't had a particularly challenging um, list of fixtures so far, but they have just been sort of getting through it without too much fuss. Three wins, three draws, no defeats, only two goals conceded. Um, this Similar to River's performance. Yes, indeed. Yeah, River have conceded a few more, but River have also scored a few more. So, yeah, but yes. I mean, in terms of the wins and draws and, and defeats, um, it's the same. River, San Lorenzo, Colón, all have identical records. Um, Nicolás Legui, Samón and Marcelo Estigarribia were the scorers of Colón's two goals against Tempele. Obviously, I mentioned that they've had a relatively kind fixture list so far. Temperley are 23rd. They're not uh, one of the teams who are a team to beat. But by and large, I thought that, you know, Colón did okay. They, yeah, they did what was expected of them. And that's something that not not every team in Argentina does week in, week out. And something to mention is that, uh, with something that's unusual for Argentina, uh, is that Germán Conti played his 100th match. Mm. Match number one hundred for Colón, yeah. uh, not not leaving and coming back, just one hundred games in, in a row. So it's uh, something unusual. Yeah, well remembered. I, I, I had forgotten about that. This storm is getting closer, isn't it? Um, there's the rattling. I apologise for the noise. I'm sure that listeners will be aware that there's not really an awful lot we can do. We can't turn off the weather, and unfortunately. Um, I can't do anything to make my windows fit better, so they're going to be rattling for most of the rest of the recording. Uh, blame my landlady. Please, blame my landlady. Um, we should also discuss... Oh, right, Lanús. We've not talked about Lanús. Lanús got a 2-1 win over Union on Friday evening. I also didn't see that, did you? Um, no, no. I, I Just like other matches, only could watch the, the perhaps the most important plays after the match, not during it. I did wander through to the to the bar um, from the pool room in the pub that I was in um, and caught it at a point when Union were 1-0 up at half-time through a goal from Jonathan Bottinelli, which surprised me. But two goals uh, five minutes apart in the second half from Jose Sand, inevitably, meant that Lanús ended up winning it 2-1. And the other game that we really should talk about is Belgrano against Tacheres because it was the Clásico this weekend. The Clásico of Córdoba, arguably the second biggest Clásico in Córdoba after Tacheres against Instituto. Apologies, Belgrano fans, but I am assured by people who are from Córdoba that this is the case. Um, admittedly, they might be Tacheres and Instituto fans, but still. Um, and it finished goalless, and it was pretty bloody boring, actually. 
really yes. boring. I was looking forward to much more. So there's not much more that we can add to that. Um, yes, perhaps that, uh, well, most important than the match itself is that, well, Sebastián Méndez, uh, the, um, the Gallego Méndez, mm. um, resigned, even with not, not having lost, but uh, because I think he had been deciding this after he we, they lost against Atlanta yeah. for yeah. Argentina, whether... They being Belgrano, yes. of course, yeah. Just, just in case anyone wasn't uh, aware of who he was, um, of who he was uh, managing, yes. um, and the other manager, Frank Kudelka, in his post-match uh, interview, uh, post-match press conference, said that he's had far worse insults from fans of other clubs, almost as if he wanted to <laughs> belittle Belgrano a bit, um, and the passion of that particular derby. I think we can take a break now, uh, partly because we've been talking for 37 minutes, and so it's about time to take a break. Um, partly so that I can lower my blinds and the windows will stop rattling hopefully a little bit uh, and if not then there is a small danger that my living room floor will start to flood at some point during the recording so we will do that and then we will come back and we will discuss the Copa Argentina and we will listen listen some answering questions or answer some listeners questions so don't go away Okay, I told you at the beginning that it was a dark and stormy night, and now we have uh, got into that dark and stormy night. The storm's here. Uh, if you can hear it in the background, I always record with earphones on, which Andres very kindly lends me each week, um, so that I can get an idea of the sound levels. When I'm editing the next day, uh, the microphone does seem to be a little more sensitive than what I'm editing uh, for. The, the, the levels seem to be a little lower when it actually goes out, so I don't know whether you, the listeners can hear this window rattling and the wind and everything. If you're annoyed by it, because we do sometimes get um, some slightly arsey messages about the sound quality, almost as if people were paying for the podcast and had the right to complain about that. Um, sorry, just bear in mind that I actually have to live in this flat with this noise going on all the bloody time whenever there's a storm. So anyway, uh, that's my little rant over. And um, if you're my landlady and you're listening, I, I didn't say any of that, but uh, I doubt that she's listening anyway. Um... We have some listeners' questions. Oh, we should talk about the Copa Argentina first, though, shouldn't we? We've already mentioned the fixtures, but just to go over them again, River play Atlanta in 50 minutes' time in San Juan. Yes. In San Juan. Um, and the other fixtures then are Godoy Cruz versus Rosario Central, which is... Do we know where that is? Do we know where any of these other games are yet? Have they announced them? Let me check. I will check. probably should have looked this up during the break, shouldn't we? But um, never mind. I, I will accept if anybody wants to complain about our lack of preparation here that this is something that we should have done first. Uh, ah, that's being played in Instituto Stadium in Cordoba. Um, Olimpo versus Deportivo Moron, which is being played in Lanús. So that's nice and handy for the Moron fans, at least. Relatively speaking, at least. I mean, it's not particularly handy for them, public transport-wise, but they can get there. It's not too far. And Atletico Tucumán 
against Vélez Sarsfield, which is being played in Unión's stadium in Santa Fe. Um, which, by Copa Argentina standards, strikes me as not too ridiculous. River Atlanta, on the other side of the country, when both sides are from the city of Buenos Aires, is a bit silly, but that's what happens when one of the big five sides Yes, because it's River and San Juan and the, the, the interior provinces. It's good for, for the big teams to, to go there. Precisely. Uh, perhaps Olimpo Lanús, because it's... Olimpo has to travel to to uh, to Lanús and Moron is is closer as you said yeah. and the uh, and uh, after uh, apart from that uh, Godoy Cruz Rosario Central at Córdoba sounds more sense yeah that's more roughly sense. meeting halfway again and Atlético Tucumán Vélez well Atlético Tucumán we suppose is the smaller team of of yeah. both <laughs> but uh, yes it's mm, not perhaps the 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 best thing but. Basically, these silly travel distances, as we've mentioned many times before, are what happens when you allow a travel agency to organise your National Cup. Um, the idea is is that they can sell tickets to fans who are going to travel to see their teams, literally. I'm, I'm yes. not even joking. Um, anyway, the fixtures-wise, um, these are the last eight in the tournament. The favourites are River, right? Surely. Yes. yes. Um, I'm just trying to work out which half of the draw... Ah, here we are. We've got the... the Graphic of which half of the draw is and which uh, are more even more favourites if, if taking into account what I have just read, which is uh, well no news that uh, River since Gachardo is the coach in matches that were were uh, like this that uh, uh, knockout matches yeah knockout matches or mata mata in, in Portuguese <laughs> uh, they they ha- they have won twenty nine out of out of thirty six matches well. So it's big record and it shows that they are, yes, they are favourites. Indeed. I will tell you, uh, again, I don't know whether you can actually hear that or not. I imagine that you could because that was quite a strong gust of wind blowing all around the flat. Um, I will tell you who is playing who in the semi-finals. Just as soon as this page loads, it's taking quite some time. I didn't realise that the wind had an effect on the speed of the internet, but it turns out that it must do, tonight at least, because um, it's taking a while to download this PDF image of the um, of the fixtures. But if if River don't win the Copa Argentina, then who's going to, do you think? Um. I'd, I would stick my neck out and say Atletico Tucumán must stand a chance, surely. I would like Rosario Central to win it uh, since they have w- uh, mm. lost the last three finals. Yeah. Um, so, and well, not because they eliminated Boca, but uh, just because, well, they had suffered a lot. Uh, and they've, they've been in decent form for a lot of that time as well. They had a couple yes. of, you know, near misses in the league championship the season, the first of the finals, and they lost against Boca, I think it was. No, sorry, the, they, they've lost to Huracan, Boca and River, haven't they, yes. in successive years. So the final they lost to Boca, I think that same year, was when they finished runners up or third place eventually, but having run Boca all the way in the league title. Um, yeah, I would agree. Although, ironically, if they were to do it, it would be probably with the worst team that they have had in that run of time. Um, so here we have now the, the halves of the draw. So River or Atlanta will play Olimpo or Moron in the first semi-final and Atletico Tucumán or Vélez Sarsfield will play Godoy Cruz or Rosario Central in the other semi-final um, so we might very well get another River Central final as we had last yes, year yes so if, if it's not River 
to win to for Central to win it, they should uh, get. Carry on, Andres. I'm yes. not going to cut any of this. It will take too long to edit. <laughs> they should play perhaps against uh, Atlanta or against Olimpo or against Moron because if it's River Central the final, yes, I will like River to win it. Yeah, I, I think going down. I, I'm going to try to name. To, to put the eight remaining teams in order of how likely I think they are to, to win the Copa. I would say River are favourites, Central are second favourites. Um, I'm going to put Atletico Tucumán as third favourite, Godoy Cruz fourth, Vélez fifth, Olimpo sixth, and the, the remaining two I think probably sort themselves out just by league standing, really. Atlanta seventh favourites and Moron eighth favourites. Um, it is... I think the, the fact that Moron in particular and, and to a lesser extent Atlanta have made it this far is the kind of run um, that the Copa Argentina needs a few of but I think that you know Joel um, said this in the very early years on, on Hand of Pod of, um, of the Copa Argentina being brought back that, that it, it needs these sort of underdog stories to, to be embraced by people but I still think that it would be even better if the lower league sides were able to do this in their own stadiums um, in front of, of all of their own fans rather than travelling over to Mendoza to play River or Boca yes. and just have a stadium full of River and Boca fans cheering against them. Um, and it just needs to become a little bit more of a serious competition. But also I get the impression that Argentines just aren't really that bothered. They, they find it slightly embarrassing that Morón are in the quarterfinals of the Copa Argentina. Yes, and I don't know what you think of that, but I, I just compared with yes. compared with the equivalent story in the Premier League, which would be a team like I don't know Bristol Rovers making it to the quarterfinal of the, the FA Cup or something. The problem is that sometimes bigger clubs don't want to face the smaller clubs because if they lose, they yes feel embarrassed. Like for example, San Lorenzo that lost against Moron, hmm. and uh, yes, it it's like then you you suffer a lot because of that. If, I, I remember Rosario, uh, Rosario Central, Real Madrid losing to Alcorcón uh, seven or eight years ago yeah. for this, uh, the Copa del Rey it was, hmm. and Manuel Pellegrini was the coach of of, uh, yeah. of uh, Real Madrid. And, and, and Madrid ended up winning that tie. They, they lost the first leg to Alcorcón. That was a big one. They lost the first leg to Alcorcón and then they ended up winning the tie, if I remember rightly. But even yes. then, it's... Yeah, it's uh, an embarrassment, a shock, yes. or whatever. Um, yeah, it's, it's obviously not as funny as what happened to Real Madrid in the Copa del Rey last season, but that's another matter. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to the quarterfinals. I think it, it does help as well that this quarterfinal weekend or the quarterfinal round is coinciding with a weekend in which there isn't any league football. That, that's going to shift a bit of focus. But even then, Maybe that might have been a good excuse to put the, all the quarterfinals on on Saturday afternoon or something, rather than yes. have one tonight, one uh, sorry, two next Monday, and then one on Tuesday. Why, why do you have to have them in the middle of the week when you've got a free weekend? Um, I've realised that you know probably well, the, River and possibly some of the other Primera clubs would complain. The problem is that the River, if River will have this, say, well, the semi-finals of the Copa Libertadores next month, next Tuesday, mm. I think that they will have put all of the matches together. But yes, in, and in fact, it's we can't help that for River it will be a test to see what happens. Looking forward to the to the uh, match on, on next Tuesday, which is far more important, and we can't help this uh, anyway. When yes, they play with uh, most of the 
Copa Libertadores players tonight because they will have six days to to prepare then or five because to, it's almost it will be almost almost Thursday when the match finishes and then on Tuesday they have to play Lanús. Indeed. We shall move on to listeners' questions now. I've had one by email um, just over a week ago, which is from Darren, uh, who was trolling us regarding River's awful record against Atlanta um, last week. Uh, he asked, given River's... T- the reason that I'm using this as the first one is partly because it's chronologically the first one to be asked and partly because it leads on very nicely from what we were just talking about. He says, given River's terrible-slash-embarrassing head-to-head record with Atlanta over the last six years... Back to 2012, there's no need to consider 2011, as I think that year was wiped from Rivers' records. How do you think that they will cope with Misha Crespo's finest? I think River will defeat Atlanta. Yeah, people sure. are... Um, obviously, everybody's going to already know uh, whether we're right or wrong here by the time this goes online. In fact, you might not know when you're listening, but if you do, carry on listening after the end theme music, and as usual, I'll give you the full-time score. Um, but yeah, I, I think that River are favourites. Of course, it's a shame. Uh, it's a pity for for uh, Dan English Dan, or for example, for for Gustavo, who is a more even more fanatic of Atlanta than than English Dan, who is a Racing fan. And then apart from that, Atlanta. But yes, I think River will definitely win that match. Indeed. Uh, and Darren also last week bumped into uh, Martin O'Neill and uh, got a photograph of Martin O'Neill holding an Atlanta shirt, which, if Darren is okay with this, I'll, I'll try and check it with him by email. Um, I will put up on the Hand of Pod blog um, <laughs> when this goes live. So if you want to go to handofpod.wordpress.com, um, then you will hopefully, as long as Darren's fine with me publishing his photograph, you will see a fi- picture of Martin O'Neill holding up the shirt of, as he puts it, Visha Crespo's finest. Aaron York asks the other question by email a few days ago. He says, Hi Sam, long time listener, first time question asker. Thank you for emailing in. Then Darren, uh, Aaron, sorry, Aaron, Darren and Aaron. I hadn't <laughs> noticed that. That's nicely um, symmetrical. Uh, if anybody ever wants to email in a first time question or tweet in a first time question, you're always more than welcome. He says, Would it be the craziest idea for Sam Pauli's side to play a 4 3 3 similar to the one that Messi plays at Barcelona? They would still have the same problems at left-back, but it could allow Messi and Dybala to play together without stepping on each other's feet. What do you think? Um, yes. I, I don't know whether Sampoli will finally get the team, uh, how the team will arrive to Russia, the, the players that will be there, because there are a lot of months still to go, and uh, there, will, there will be competitions played. And, uh, anyway, I think that the base of the team is the one that got the 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 ticket to Russia against Ecuador in, in Quito, mm. but I don't think he will uh, choose a four men defense. Even when Messi or it was said that Messi or other players uh, said San Paoli to get a four men defense instead of the three uh, in the back. <coughs> but normally, I think he will stick to that. To the three men. Yeah, I, I think the the three man front line is also. I mean, that is something that we have seen used by him, and obviously it works differently depending on who is behind it. So I, I can see why the shift of formation from a three four three to a, a four three three um, would be something worth considering. But I think that Dybala's own comments about how it's difficult to play alongside Messi for him because he likes to make similar runs, he plays in a similar position, are the most telling thing. Presumably, if you were going to play this then you would be looking to play Messi 
from the right wing sort of cutting inside in behind the centre forward. You'd be looking to play a centre forward who I suspect won't be Dario Benedetto um, once everybody else is fully fit. But whoever it is, you'd be looking to play a number nine. And then you'd be presumably sticking Dybala on the left wing, um, which is not something that I've... I'm not going to say seen him do, because the truth is that I, I have not watched very much of Juventus at all. Um, but it's not something that I have heard of Dybala doing. And whenever I watch highlights of their games, he doesn't seem to be cutting him from the left wing an awful lot. He seems to be, as he as he himself has that's, said, that's playing why a much he more similar role to Messi. That's why he himself said that it was difficult to play with Messi, because mm. he's not stick to a position exactly. in, in, the, in the pitch, but moving. And of course, he crashes with, with Messi. And yeah. He, I, I haven't been watching Juventus matches, uh, but I watched that he had missed. He missed a, a penalty. Th- that penalty prevented Juventus from winning or from getting a draw. I think against, against Lazio. They I were think. beaten. I think weren't they two-one by Lazio, if yes. I remember rightly. Uh, it, it was said in Italy that uh, comparing him to Messi was the reason why he's missing penalties and his uh, performances has have been going down I don't think it's only by because of that uh, but uh, yeah they, they lost 2-1 yes. to Lazio sorry to interrupt carry on but yes we can we must uh, watch his performances with attention because right now he's not playing he's not deserving perhaps a call up if, if the World Cup will, uh, was right now I don't think because well he, he he was not he didn't play against Ecuador because of this of the of his Words of Messi and that uh, he wasn't at his best, perhaps uh, attitude yeah. or, or self-esteem. But yes, uh, yeah, I, I I continue to think, as I mentioned in the last couple of weeks, really that, that the best way to use DiBala for the national team, um, given given his comments and given the style of, of play that they both have, is as a replacement for Messi. Um, you know, and, and yeah, okay, Paolo Dybala is, is enormously unfortunate uh, when he's playing well. That that means that however well he plays, he's not going to be in the starting eleven um, for Argentina. But sometimes that's just the way it goes, you know. He's um, not Di Maria, and, and Di Maria is, is more sticked to the, to the left. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Dybala, in my opinion, Dybala is, is quite undeniably a better footballer than Angel Di Maria. But they play in different positions, yes. um, and so you know he, he's not going to be in in the starting eleven. He should just be treated as a yes. a relatively high class. I say relatively because of course he's much lower class than Messi, but he's a high class replacement for Messi. Possibly the best replacement you could hope for for Messi, given that if you're playing him, that means Messi's not on the pitch. But that is probably the best way to to treat him, rather than to to continue try cramming them both onto the same team um, when that is using up valuable preparation time of which you don't have an awful lot as an international manager or an international team well, um, in, in May, which to, to do something a bit more cohesive perhaps in, in May 28, uh, 2018 they will have yeah exactly they'll have a run of they'll have a couple of friendlies followed by a, a month of training ahead of the World Cup and who knows for the World Cup itself maybe San Paoli works out a way of doing it but I don't. I think it would be a mistake to, to spend too much time thinking oh I've got to try to get these two into a team together I mean, I'm English. I, I witnessed this for a whole generation with Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard both trying to play in midfield together when the obvious solution was to just bench both of them and play Paul Scholes in central midfield as an attacker. Um, I, I say this because he's my favourite player. But anyway, um, but you know, it, it's sort of... It, it's, uh, I'm, I'm being slightly silly there, but it, it's not 
a dissimilar argument to me. Oh, is it Messi or Dybala? Well, clearly it's Messi. Why can't they both play together? Because they're both the same type of player. It's just that Messi does it much better. It's and similar discussion start. as uh, it was with Batistuta and Crespo mm. uh, 10 years ago or 15. Yeah, quite. Um, Aaron also says back four, Mascherano. Uh, so he's now, sorry, giving us a, an idea of how his side would line up. Back four, Mascherano or Biglia, if you like, as the number five. With two attacking midfielders, Aaron says that he would go with Banega and Pastore, but he's also intrigued by Paredes and Lamela if he's healthy. Messi on the right wing, Dybala on the left, and one of Aguero, Higuain, or Ricardi as striker. Di Maria, if he's on the side, could be a super sub for Dybala or Messi. See, for me, as we've said already, I think that Dybala would have to be the super sub for Messi. Um, he says, I realise that Argentina's midfielders are not exactly Xavi and Iniesta. They've been trying for 10 years to find someone who can link up with Messi, but isn't it worth another shot under San Paolo's tutelage? Especially if the alternative is Messi having to backtrack to the number five position in order to receive the ball. As I said, if they can get the ball higher up the pitch, as they were doing against Ecuador, um, by perhaps just sitting that bit deeper and then playing a bit more direct into uh, into the attack, which is something they did in Ecuador because of the altitude, if they can turn that into some sort of cohesive long-term strategy, and as a result, if Messi's getting onto the ball within 30 yards of goal a lot more, maybe that's the way to do it. But we'll see. There are eight months still until the World Cup um, so San Paolo has got a lot of preparation time still we will now move on to Twitter questions um, as soon as I can find where the first one is yes here we go Manny Taka says how are the Zenit Argies getting on well I uh, think to be honest you probably need to direct that one to a Russian football podcast because we don't watch Zenit here they, they won um, uh, for the Europa League I think a, a match yeah. some weeks ago with a good participation from Paredes and, and Lucy yeah I've, I've just looked it up in fact they, they beat um, oh god it's just gone away again they beat somebody or other 3-1 Real Sociedad possibly in the Europa League um, yes uh, Rigoni opened the scoring very early on so that happened a couple of weeks ago um, and yeah I'm then yes, I, I where I heard this at uh, some oh, by that point I think uh, some weeks ago that Kokorin, the, the Russian striker, mm. said that he, which is I think kind of obvious, uh, that he communicates with the Argentines with uh, signs, gestures, with their hands because uh, the Argentines doesn't speak the most obvious, the most basic English, which is uh, yes, kind yeah. of obvious. they could have learned I think at least. Hello, how are you? Something like mind level. Yeah, versus, I guess. I mean, at the but, same time, yes. I wouldn't expect them to, you know, to have picked up as much as if they had moved to England. I'm, I'm assuming, yes. even if they don't speak very much, yes. um, that, you know, Eric Lamela or Manuel Lanzini or whatever have managed to pick yes. up enough English to communicate. But, and in fact, there is one Premier League footballer um, who uh, I, I, I know because I have a friend um, who works for the club that he plays for um, actually speaks almost faultless English but doesn't let on to, uh, an Argentine who speaks almost faultless English but doesn't let on to anybody um, because he doesn't want to do interviews so he just doesn't tell anybody that he speaks English and he pretends not to in the post-match interviews he says no sorry I, I, I can't answer any questions um, and th this is a player who is um, I'm not going to give you the name obviously but it, it, it's a player who we mention with some regularity on Hand of Pod to give you an idea carry I, on I, I remember Clemente Rodriguez uh, having played for Spartak Moscow mm. Or it was CCKI. I don't remember the well. I think he played for Spartak. Yes. 
the top of my head. I'm going to guess Spartak, well, and I'm going to Google it now. But uh, I remember uh, that he had a, a, a translator for him, and he left the translator out of his house because he didn't want to, to learn any Russian. <laughs> so I imagine the, the mentality, but it does, it's that way. Clemente Rodriguez played for Spartak. Yes. Yeah. Well. Uh, on two occasions, 2004 to 2006, and then again for 2008-9. Um, yeah, so, I mean, but uh, obviously, as I said when I read the question out, it, I didn't mean to sound facetious, um, but uh, you would be better off asking um, people who watch the Russian uh, First Division week in, week out, how they're getting on. But from the limited amount that we see, obviously they get mentioned on the bulletins, they seem to be doing well. I suspect that the lack of visibility of the league here is not going to help, in particular, Driussi and possibly Rigoni, although Rigoni's been in and around the Argentina squad. Uh, so yes. maybe. And I see the Cranavita is now there as well, which I forget everywhere. I'm sure that somebody points this out to me every week on Anderbot. The anyway, I, I think they will they have chances to get uh, to the uh, definition standard, uh, standings in the, uh, in the Europa League because I think the Russian... I know well if Mancini alone or or, or the, uh, the perhaps another the, the director uh, mm. chose the players, but they chose well because Mamana is in the national team, Paredes is in the national team, Rigoni is in the national team, Drusi is not there, but uh, he could be. Yeah, Kranbieter was in the national. So uh, we can say that they chose uh, the best, perhaps, or one of the best players in the, in the, uh, that. That they were playing abroad, so yeah, definitely. The scouting yes. system is certainly in good shape. Uh, Edel Vache asks, What do you foresee for Argentina in the World Cup? It's early uh, to ask yet, yes. to be honest, Ivan. I think it's Ivan. Um, well, Ch- Chiqui Tapia said that, they, that they, we will be champions, so of course, I, yeah. I am at ease with that. And Edgardo Balsa spent his entire time uh, in charge of Argentina saying that uh, he was going to win the World Cup. Which means that Saudi Arabia are the incoming World Cup champions. Um, you heard it here first. Well, you heard it from Edgardo Balsa first. Um, but for Argentina, it, it's really early. I mean, the quarterfinals ought to be a realistic aim, given how, <laughs> given the team's very obvious weak points. But then that's the sort of thing that we were saying before the last one, and look what happened there. So it, it could go in either way. With Sampaoli, I suspect that it's more likely to go better than quarterfinals than it is to go worse than quarterfinals. But I think that the quarterfinals are probably the the, the par that they need to be looking yeah, for. But they have still released the the draw or the schedule for the uh, European playoffs yeah. uh, qualifiers. So uh, still, I think it will be in December of the the. Yeah, of course. I mean, once once the once the groups get drawn, yes. and once we know who's going to play who in the not in the round of sixteen and so on. Then it'll be much easier to answer the question, possibly. But even then, some of these so much has got to change. Some of on these the nations team. that have been that are, are are being are going to play the the, the playoff could be because they will be in the group two of the qualifier of the yeah. teams qualified could be in the group of Argentina that will be of course the pre preceded seeded mm. in the as a cabeza de serie well the yeah a, a top seed yes yeah. so uh, it could be Italy could be Denmark could be Sweden. Could be Northern Ireland, yes. But uh, you know, just aside from who they're likely to play, I, I just think so much is is going to change in the national team in the next eight months. San Paoli is going to have an, an opportunity now, in a more relaxed fashion than he's had until now, to look at players um, that he likes the look of, to try out new tactical ideas and so on. And so, really, we still, from what we've seen so far, we don't sort of 
have an, a good idea what to expect from San Paoli's Argentina because we haven't seen them play the way that he wants them to play yet um, at the World Cup. It might all go very, very right or it might all go very, very wrong. We'll have to see. Um, 66 Estrellas asks, will you be at the World Cup? I've already answered this one to him on Twitter uh, with a lot of laughter and the word no. Um, no, I don't. We, we can't afford to go. So uh, and so a sponsor and, and the tickets are, are, are far expensive. Or not only the tickets to for the for the matches, but also the ticket to Russia. Yes, exactly. Plane, so if, if we couldn't afford to go when it was in Brazil, yes. just next door, then we get us a sponsor. And we we will be there, of course. But um, yes, that, uh, thank you, Andres. Yeah, that's that's a good way of uh, doing it. So yes. yeah, if, if anybody wants to pay for us to go to uh, to Russia yes. and cover the World Cup with yes. daily hand of pod podcasts. Um, then get in touch, but um, six thousand dollars, I think, will be okay. Well, let's let's not get to. If anybody wants to offer more, then we'll see. I, I can open it up to the the, the highest bidder, um, but I suspect that nobody's going to take us up on this offer. So, no, essentially. Um, li- also, I need to get a visa. You? D- oh no! If you get match tickets, then you don't, do you? Apparently, for the for the World Cup, but Ar- Argentines can get into Russia. Um, visa free but Brits need a visa for it so it's it's tricky uh, Liam Kelly who is no relation to me says since when did Belgrano move back into their own stadium it was a dead classical and also another two week break election weekend isn't it the answer to your second question Liam is yes and the answer to your first question is that Belgrano played the classical at their own stadium because they felt like it I think I don't think that they moved back in permanently. I didn't know that it was so long that they weren't able to play there. They've always played occasionally at, at, at their own ground. Um, I think this one was because it was a, it must have been city security or something had a or, or yes. the province of Cordoba maybe. Whoever does the the security actually it'll be the province, yes. won't it? I, I forgot that um, they had watched the preview preview of the match uh, that they were the supporters were celebrating that they were back on their on their stadium and there was a magician that. It uh, converted water into fernet. Oh really? Yes. Oh yes, I I saw a. St- I didn't see the video. Yes. But I saw it. Oh, I saw the um. The the still and the news story about that. I've yes. just googled Belgrano Barrio Alberti to see when there are any news stories about this being a um. Uh, about this being a permanent move. Infobuy and a couple of other places are reporting it as the return to Barrio, to Barrio Alberti. I'll try to roll years my eyes properly. After. Um, I'm sure they've played this. St- ah, no, right. The first time in 38 years that the Classico has been played there. Hmm. Um, oh, no. No, it does say that. I'm sure I've seen them play in that stadium. That, that, that was. I've been following that's why I, I felt like years. strange because no. I, I thought they had already played there yeah. some time ago. It, I mean, it, I'm not used to seeing it, but it didn't look unfamiliar to me. Um, how peculiar. So, yeah, whether this is a permanent return and they've just decided to uh, to make the Classico the first game back or whether it was a one-off thing for the Classico, um, we don't know. But plenty of places, as I say, are, ret- are, re- are reporting it as Belgrano return to Barrio Alberti. Yes. So it looks like it is a permanent it thing. It was remarkable and because... And the answer to since when is yes. since this weekend just gone. Yes. It was re- remarkable because it was also the Mother's Day here in Argentina. Mm. And of course, the typical jokes, oh, forgive me, mother, because Belgrano is far more... Im- it's a bit more important than you and I have to come to yeah, see all that, Belgrano. Yes. all those hilarious yes. um, jokes here. Laugh, you almost started, and so on. Um, and Vincent asks the final question of this week's pod. He says, Thoughts on River's interest in Svitanich? 
I know the deal's off, but it seemed pretty like it seemed like River were willing to spend quite a bit of money. Um, this is the news that River Plate wanted to sign Dario Svitanic for the semi-finals and the final of the Copa Libertadores. Um, Banfield's, um, well, sorry, his release clause in his contract with Banfield is ten million US dollars, and he's thirty-six years old. Thirty-three. Thirty-three. Yes. Oh God, he's the same age as me. <laughs> Um, but anyway, $10 million for somebody who's my age is, is clearly too much. Um, and so Banfield wanted the release clause, essentially, as, as well they, you know, they might. The whole reason they put it there was to avoid bids, and he's playing fantastically for them and scoring plenty of goals. Um, and River then, I think there was briefly mentioned the possibility of like a two- or three-month loan um, yeah, for so like a couple four, of million dollars. Four million dollars, and, and the, to, to give them the, the transfer of Bartolo, definitely... Uh-huh. Definitely, right. Who's moved back to Banfield? Yes, but, uh, but he's, uh, he's on, I think he's on loan, or he they yeah. have a percentage of the, of the yeah, or uh, an agreement to pay later on, which River were going to cancel or something like that. But the problem is that Sitanic or Svitanic uh, was perhaps the only possibility that River had to uh, sign players for the Copa Libertadores, as they had to be Argentinian because. Uh, well, the transfer window is closed. Yeah, for or another. rather, they have to be playing in the local league. And they can't have already played in the... The Libertadores, yes. In the Libertadores. If they played in the Sudamericana, that's not a problem, is it? They, yes. But they can't have played in the Libertadores this year. Um, or they're cup-tied. And so there, yeah. there are not an awful yes. lot of options around. Yes. Because of the skills... Uh, well, he has been playing right, uh, uh, great for Banfield after playing in a, a North American social, uh, Soccer League in the US. Miami, I think. Uh, Miami FC or something like that. Uh, and after playing there, coming back to Banfield and, and, and playing the way he, he played, of course, was great. And uh, um, yes, as a possibility, it was good. But yes, $10 million is high. Well remembered. Miami yes. FC. Yeah. Pachuca, I, I thought he'd, he'd yes. uh, returned to Banfield direct from Pachuca. No. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he was at Miami for 2016. Um, of course, the, the other thing that, that sort of I thought quite a bit when they started talking about him was that he is of course a former Boca player um, yes. so that would have been an interesting move um, but also of his I, family that if he if he supports River or Boca or or, uh, or Banfield or Cipolletti or well it's no no problem the problem is that yeah. uh, yes 10 million dollars was high for uh, perhaps any player not mm. only Zidanich and yeah exactly and, and, it, and the release clause there is a problem in Argentina with the release clauses because if you use that clause you then you have a menaced, you you become menaced with, uh, by the, the the directors of the other club saying that you wanted to quit to to uh, have their the players the player with no ne- negotiations or deals. Yeah, exactly. And well, it's which, which again is is it's what the release clause is for. Yes. So I don't really understand those complaints. But anyway, um, and in terms of my thoughts, I, I'm sort of signing a player just for the semis and the finals uh, and and the final always feels to me like a bit of a I won't say a cheat but it's, it seems like a bit of a shame like I mean River did it with Lucas Alario a few years ago but Lucas Alario when they signed him was 23 years old and was in fantastic form and was clearly a long term signing and they wanted to get the deal pushed through when they got it pushed through so that he could feature in the Libertadores whereas Dario Spitanich is 33 years old and has had a decent career you know he's, he's a very he's a good striker particularly for this level um, but I, I just sort of feel like it would be a 
bit of a cheapening to give him a, a Libertadores winner's medal. Okay, mm. maybe, yeah, if, if they sign him and he ends up scoring, doing what Alario did and scoring in both legs of the semi-final and then scoring the problem is that the uh, Santo Borre is not uh, showing No, precisely. Great, uh, and so this is the other thing. Yes. River, you know, complained quite long and quite loud about the fact that they were selling or, or forced to let go Alario to Leverkusen too late to be able to replace him. But they would have a stronger attack if they had used the Driussi money a little more wisely. Because, yeah, they, they spent some of that on Ekoko, who's, who's proved so far to be a, a decent replacement for Driussi. And they spent some more of it on Rafael Santos Borre, who just isn't good enough. If they'd signed two decent players to to replace um, Driussi, then River wouldn't need to be scrambling around quite now so much. Now we will say that they want Paolo Guerrero, who is, well, one of the best strikers in South America, perhaps. Yeah, I don't know if... cost? Yes, it's a lot of it's a lot of money, and Flamengo will will renew his contract until 2020, and he will be the, be the I don't know the striker or the player with best pay payment in the in, the in South America. Yes, yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, that that's ambitious yes. in my opinion. Um, I, th I think the River yes. are almost better off just trying to get through. Um, as they are at the moment and, and the problem is that Gallardo you know, wants a player and if they don't have course, that player yeah. uh, they don't look for another player it's that player mm. or well or, or I stay with I stick with the players I have yeah uh, and well that's why they perhaps look for someone well it's not possible it, this is it yeah exactly and, and but I, th I think that's a sensible route to take given as you've said that there are certain restrictions it essentially I mean it doesn't absolutely have to be. But in effect, it has to be a player who's playing in the Argentine Primera. Um, well, I guess actually not. I, yes. A player who's playing in Argentina. Could be Darío Benedetto, who won't be because to, it's Boca player, but precisely. could be like that, something, yeah. someone like like him. Or if they wanted to, uh, I'm sure they could sign somebody from the Nacional B or the Primera yes. B. Um, but um, in in effect, it has to be someone who's playing in Argentina, and it has to be someone who's not been involved in Libertadores football this year. And that really narrows the options right down to, as you say, Benedetto, who would be the one player who. I think quite indisputably would be on a par with the player he'd be replacing, which would be Alario, even though Alario left a month ago. Um, and that's not going to happen. And so beyond Benedetto, you have a bunch of other options and you're thinking, well, okay, oh, Luis Rodriguez from Atletico Tucumán, no, but he's played in the Libertadores. Pepe San from Lanús, he's also played in the Libertadores. Leandro Fernández from Independiente could be perhaps, but... Yeah, I mean, that's an outside bet. But, but, and yes. Independiente is still in the Sudamericana, which makes it easier for them to say, no, we want this guy for our own continental yes. campaign. And so on. So, by and large, I, as I say, I think that River, and I, and I say this as a River sympathiser, should try to get through what's left of the Libertadores with the team that they've got. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if they get... I, I, I do think that whoever qualifies from the River Lanús semi-final will probably be the favourite for the, for the final. Um, but it, it's just... Uh, well, there, there is something I, I didn't say when we talked about River versus Atletico Tucumán, which is that Finally, De La Cruz has show, shown something different, or well, some showed what uh, River was looking for yeah. from him, which is which was a uh, great passes, great ability, uh, I, I, even when it was during 20 minutes. Because mm. after that, uh, Gallardo, I think if he was wrong. I don't say it uh, very very sure of that because he. Uh, but everybody thought he was wrong. Yes. Uh, well. Uh, well, Gallardo said he was he wasn't wrong, but anyway, uh, um, even when it was for 20 minutes, 
it, I think it's because it gives some hope of well, if he can repeat that for Copa Libertadores, yeah. it's a great value for Ripper. Yeah, well, uh, what everybody said Gachado was wrong for doing, by the way, yes. was, was substituting um, yes. De La Cruz at the point where River were 2-0 up. And, or was it 2-1 by that point? He, he had decided the, the changes before the, the, yeah. the, 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 one, the, the goal from Luis Rodriguez, and he had already decided. Yeah, and, and he sort of hinted that he didn't want to risk De La Cruz any longer, that yes. he, want, he wants to keep him fresh for, for future challenges. Um, so whether he's going to play tonight whether he's going to be playing next Tuesday is it Tuesday or Wednesday next week? Tuesday Tuesday um, against Lanús in the first leg of the Libertadores semi-final um, we'll, we will see and you know I mean in a way he's right You don't if you leave him on for those last 20 minutes at a point where River were on top of the game and looking comfortable anyway, and Ashardo, you don't know what's going Ashardo to happen is not to blame from I, I, he's not responsible for Barbosa being horrible and yeah. Casco the same yeah so indeed, um, I think that that concludes this week's podcast. We have been recording for yeah second half bit forty minutes now. So um, oh, and it's nine o'clock, Andres. So you're going to have to okay. run uh, if you're going to get back for the river game. Um, li- li- keep listening. I'll get my words out eventually. Keep listening um, after this full time music for um, the final final score of River against Atlanta in the Copa Argentina quarter final. Obviously, there are no mystical predictions this week because there's no football this week. But if you want to take me on um, in the predictor predict-off that is going to be happening next week for the round seven, isn't it, um, yes. fixtures for the Superliga, please get in touch by email or by tweet to Pod or to my own personal account at hex underscore com um, and let me know. And... We'll see you again next week. For now, thank you very much for listening and goodbye from Andres. Thank you, goodbye. And from me, thank you and goodbye. The first quarter-final of the Copa Argentina has finished. It's ended River 4, Atlanta 1. And uh, in a rare feat of actually predicting something decent... Um, Saraki, the River left back, scored his first goal for the club. We've been tooting his horn, as it were, for a couple of weeks now, so it's nice to see him get on the score sheet.